a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, we often hear the headline the Constitution is hanging by a thread, or might it be broken? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, it is time for a think again moment, and we are really thrilled to have in studio with us today Noah Feldman, a Harvard professor. He's an award-winning author, ethical philosopher and advisor, public intellectual, religious scholar, and historian. I think we racked them all up there, Professor. And uh, one of the things that I love about your work is your ability to go both deep into the law and the words uh, and also do it in a way that makes sense to everybody so we can figure out what it means uh, to us. But welcome to the Beehive State. You were part of the Constitution Day uh, down at BYU yesterday, giving, giving a speech on your book, The, Pro- the Broken Constitution, as uh, kind of your jumping off point. Uh, but welcome to the state and give us a little sense of uh, what you talked about at BYU yesterday. Thanks for having me, Boyd. I talked about the challenges to the Constitution that were faced by Abraham Lincoln uh, when he took the oath of office, which, if you can imagine, were even worse than the challenges that we're facing today. (laughs) Bad as things are, we are not facing secession, and we're not facing an impending war. Uh, At least I believe we are not. And uh, I spoke about how in his time as president, Lincoln had to reexamine the Constitution as he thought Mm. it should be interpreted in order to fulfill his oath of office. Yeah, I think that's such a, an interesting thing. Uh, one, I, I appreciate the fact that you're saying we're, we're not there <laughs> uh, because it's easy to, to go there. And one of the things that we always try to do on this show is to, is to break that out just a little bit. So talk through some of the things that Lincoln had to navigate uh, as it relates to interpreting the Constitution and the challenges of the time. He had three really big challenges right off the bat. The first was states had seceded. Did he have the power to go to war to force them to come back? And although today we just assume, of course, he did because he did it at the time, the previous president, James Buchanan, had said publicly that the president and Congress did not have the authority to force back states that chose to secede because of the idea of the consent of the governed. So he had to flip conventional wisdom on its head Mm. to try to start the war. The second challenge was people were interfering with federal troops as they came south. And he suspended habeas corpus, which means he said that the government could arrest people and hold them without trial and without charge if in any way, shape, or form they were interfering with the war effort. And the chief justice of the Supreme Court said to him, you can't do that. You don't have the power. And he did it anyway. (laughs) And he kept on doing it for three and a half years. And then the third big challenge was, you know, he came into office in his first inaugural address saying, I am pledged to protect the Constitution, and the Constitution protects slavery. Mm. And I do not have the power to change that. And a year and change later, he wanted to issue the Emancipation Proclamation, which meant he had to reverse his own belief about what the Constitution said about slavery. And of course, morally, we're very glad and fortunate that he did that. It was an extraordinary moral act. But it took a lot of work to get there. Yeah. Let's break down a couple of those. Let's let's start with just that, that first point that you raised because I, I love the fact that he he did have to flip this conventional wisdom 
Uh, what do we learn from that about how he did that? I think what we learn is that when you face an existential threat and really the breaking of the Republican half is as close to an existential threat as there could be. It meant the country was not going to be one country anymore. That leads you to re-explore basic principles. Mm. And in his case, he re-explored the idea that we have a government that relies on the people's consent. Because if the people can consent to be governed, said the southern states, then they consent not to be governed. They can unconsent. And Lincoln said, well, if you run government that way, every state will always have an incredible strike threat that it can make against the rest of the government. He said that cannot be right. And so he kind of shifted American thinking about what it meant to agree to be governed by saying once you're in, you're You're in in and you can't (laughs) get out. And now we accept that and I think it's very defensible. But at the time, it was was a new idea that – once you were in, you genuinely couldn't leave. Yeah. And let's jump down to uh, to the issue of slavery and the Constitution because, I, as you said, that was uh, – took great moral courage. Uh, walk us through kind of that process. And again, it was it was part Lincoln going through his own process. And then, of course, he had to convince everyone else uh, that this is really where we need to go. The original Constitution of 1787 was a kind of compromise about slavery. Lots of northern states either didn't have it or were trying to get rid of it. The southern states, of course, were committed to it. And their compromise was based on the idea that they sort of figured slavery would fade away on its own. Mm. And then the cotton gin was invented, and it didn't because it became profitable. And so that was the fundamental challenge facing the republic in its first 80 years. And most people at the time, most white people at least, interpreted the Constitution to guarantee that slaves would remain enslaved and that the federal government couldn't do anything about it. And what Lincoln did is he developed the view gradually that in order to win the war, the North had to do whatever was necessary to win. And that included taking away the property, as it was then considered, of Southern slaveholders. And so he actually justified what we believe to be a fundamentally moral thing, freeing enslaved people, on the ground not that slavery was wrong or unjust, but that it was a punitive measure to Southern secessionists to take away their enslaved people and that then the enslaved would rise up and fight and that that would turn the tide in the war. And to some degree, that prediction turned out to be true. Yeah. Wow. Fascinating uh, pieces there. Uh, as you continue on through that, uh, and I, I just love the way you weave you weave through that, let's, uh, let's take it and bring it back to some lessons for our day in terms yeah. of where we are. What does that look like? I think the first lesson is our Constitution isn't actually fixed and static. Mm. It changes under pressure. Yeah. And, of course, the Civil War was the most extreme form of pressure – And eventually we got the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, which are officially the way we try to change our Constitution. But Lincoln changed it even before that with emancipation. It doesn't mean that we want our presidents to ignore their oath of office. It means we want them to be conscientious and think hard about what their oath of office actually means in practice. It also means there have to be really, really, really good reasons Mm. if you're going to change what the Constitution means on the fly like that, like the country is collapsing, like we're at war. Not, I lost the election, I'm betraying my own views here, I lost the election, but I should be president anyway. That is not an existential crisis. The existential crisis is if someone gets away with that, then we need to be very worried. Yeah, and I think we actually just discussed this in the last segment of uh, we've developed this society where if we don't get our way, uh, we can do whatever we want. We had a little league football game out in Harriman where the parents ran wild because they didn't like the result that the referee was uh, causing in the game. I think we uh, call that a parable. Uh, yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, we, and we've seen that uh, in so many ways, whether it's an election. Uh, sadly, we've seen it uh, even in uh, court decisions, Supreme Court decisions, that if we don't like an outcome, then suddenly you know it's okay. We're justified in either weaponizing the words or, or weaponizing physically 
and, and that's a real challenge in, in undermining the trust uh, of society. I, I always stress tested our constitutional republic under all kinds of things, war, civil war, uh, economic collapse, pandemics. We've never stress tested it in the absence of trust. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, Professor, as you look at the Constitution and where we are today, uh, broken, not broken, uh, hanging by a thread or whatever it may be, what are the things that you think we ought to be thinking about as citizens as we look at the Constitution today? We need to rebuild national trust in each other and to remember that the Constitution is, in the end, a compact that we as human beings make with each other. We may need divine help, but fundamentally, it's us. And so a Constitution only works if the citizens realize that we would be very much worse off without the national unity that it takes. And what we should then be able to say is we agree on enough basic things. We agree that there should be a rule of law. We agree that human beings are equal. We agree that the court should protect the vulnerable. And then we can have all the arguments and disagreements that we want about what that means in practice. But if we remind ourselves that we agree on those fundamentals, then we will eventually be okay. And our constitution is robust enough and resilient enough to get us through our current moment of extreme polarization. Ah, Fantastic. Professor Noah Feldman from Harvard University. The book is The Broken Constitution. Gave a speech at BYU yesterday. Remember, Constitution Day is coming up this weekend on the 17th. Uh, Professor, thanks so much for joining us today. Appreciate your insight, your perspective uh, on this extraordinary thing we call the Constitution that does bind us uh, and allows us to bind ourselves to each other uh, to link arms and move the republic forward. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Uh, We're going to go ahead and uh, wrap this segment uh, coming up. Stay with us. We'll have some important announcements coming up. Uh, Historic moment in Rome. Find out about that coming up next. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.